Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pet Talks, also known as the Pure Empathy Podcast. I'm Maritza. And I'm Shamina. Welcome, everybody. If this is your first time joining us, we are super excited that you're here. Shamina and I are two licensed therapists working to break down the stigma about mental health, as well as promoting mental and emotional health and wellness. We're super glad to have you listening, and we would love to have you follow along on our platforms. I'll have Shamina tell you about those. So if you want to learn more about our practice or interested in more content or other social media related things, uh, check us out on Facebook. Our handle is Pure Empathy LLC. Um, Head over to our website, which is pureempathyllc.com and follow us on Instagram. Our handle on Instagram is pure.empathy.llc. We post all kinds of practice related updates, any social media updates, podcast updates, all things related to mental health on all of those platforms. So check us out. Absolutely. Thanks, Shamina. So please follow along with us. It'll add some positivity into your feed. Now let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about gratitude as we get into the Thanksgiving holiday season this month. Um, this is probably going to be something that Shamina and I were thinking is going to be in everybody's feed, whether you follow us on social media or you follow another therapist or really any of your friends, everybody's going to have their gratitude list up, um, kind of what happens around this time of year. So I, we thought we would take the time to go ahead and talk about gratitude as it relates to mental and emotional health. Yes. And I think this is a really challenging topic for most of us, especially like in this day and age, because we are so focused on the things that we do not have. Or, you know, you scroll on social media, you see the person who's like going on the trip, buying the house, getting getting a new car, getting married, having a child. And we catch ourselves so often comparing ourselves to other people or just feeling so down and out about the things that we don't have that I think it's really hard for us to like stop, slow down and pay attention to the things that we do have or appreciate in our lives. Oh gosh, so true. Like I'm sitting here thinking, I was wondering what, what is it for you? The one that really gets you for me, it's um, my Zillow addiction. I love looking at houses and different floor plans and the um, what a house could look like the house I could have the dream house. Like I'm, I'm always very captivated by it. And can spend time sort of scrolling through houses endlessly if I'm not careful. I like that. I think I do that more in real life. Like if I go walk around the neighborhood or something, I'm like, oh, I want that one day. Like that looks really cool. But I think for me, it's more so the travel of, wow, look, Mm -hmm. this person's going here doing this. Like, I wonder what they do for a living. I don't make enough money. How do I make more money? And, you know, I just kind of like (laughs) spiral down that rabbit hole of how do I do these things in order to afford the lifestyle that I want? Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't make enough money, says the therapist. We can probably have a a whole series of podcasts just on on that struggle in our profession, um, the the financial struggle of getting established. Um, But yeah, no, I love that. That's so interesting. And I don't know if we'll get into this in future podcasts, but of course, my mind goes to my obsession with personality types and how the thing that you look at is like in, in your blind spot, which is like travel and new things and new experiences. And the thing I look at is my blind spot, which is like tradition, um, security, and these kind of things, which we have opposite. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like you you really admire the travel, which I love to travel, um, but it's not a thing that I'll find myself like sort of looking at. It's more in real world for me and for you, like looking for the house's real world. And in the imagination land, it's like, oh, aspiring to these, this travel lifestyle, you know? And so it's interesting because Carl Young, and this is not our topic. So for those of you listening, this is just where it's like getting on a sidebar rant. But Carl Young said um, when he was looking at the personality archetypes that our aspirational function is that last or fourth function in the Myers-Briggs system. So for any Myers-Briggs geeks out there, um, you that know about this, that's that's the aspirational function, according to Young. So you aspire to travel and I aspire just to have like a cozy little home and, <laughs> you know, this little um, traditional life and in a sense, even though a lot of people probably wouldn't um, think that about either of us, right? Um, it kind of be maybe the opposite presentation when they met our dominant personality, if you will. Yeah. But anyways, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll start off the gratitude list. I'm grateful for Carl Jung's work <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Myers-Briggs type indicator and the personality type systems, because it is, it is low-key an obsession of mine um, that I've been studying, researching for many, many years. And it's definitely something that has brought me a lot of like compassion and understanding for people's differences, including my own. Um, so yeah, that is definitely on my gratitude list to kind of bring these things together. <laughs> Yes. I love that. I love that. What's on my gratitude list? Uh, Well, it's so funny that we're actually recording this when we are. So this will get released after uh, I come back, but I am traveling uh, this upcoming week. (laughs) So that's so funny. Um, I'll be visiting some family. So I'm very excited to be able to do that. I'm very grateful that I have that opportunity Uh, My niece is celebrating her third birthday. So last year I was not able to go and I'm making it a point this year to be here, to be there for her birthday. So very grateful that I will be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's checking a little bit of travel off the list. At least you're getting to, to go somewhere. Yes. You know, yeah. Just change the scenery is probably much overdue, especially like you said, you didn't get to go last year. I'm guessing pandemic reasons. Financial reasons. Financial. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All time. Right. All time. Yeah. No, all of it. I was like, do you fly when you go? Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is way so too long. Trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plane tickets are very pricey right now, but yeah. So you heard a little bit of our gratitude list. I'm grateful for a lot of other things. Um, but you know, since I was trying to bring my side rant to be actually a part of this conversation, I thought I would go ahead and express gratitude for personality type systems and, and really how much they've brought to me, not just as a person, but as a therapist as well. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that I think of most of the time when I think about gratitude is actually abundance. Um, And we hear a lot of things where people, excuse me, talk about an abundance mindset. Um, And there's lots of probably programs and and things out there that you can do just around abundance because it's such a big topic for people. Um, But one of the things I always remember is that I I think these two things can't be separated in a sense. Um, The only way I can really truly have or embody an abundance mindset, excuse me, is if I am grateful, if I have gratitude. And I guess I'll also say this. I've heard over the years, many, many clients come to me and say something along the lines of I should be grateful. And first off, I do a little bit of REBP with the should statement, right? The rational motive behavior therapy of like, 
let's look at the should statement. And we, we may do one just on should statements. I do like to rant about it. So um, we'll, we'll put that in a future <laughs> podcast. That way we can reference to it. But um, but there's a lot around should statements and they're really, really not helpful. Um, they're, they're really a common uh, negative core belief essentially is that you should be a certain way, do a certain thing. And when we're saying to uh, like, why well, should be grateful to me, it seems like a shaming statement for a lot of people. It, it puts them in a feeling of shame and they can get really stuck there. And so I'm not somebody who thinks that you should be grateful in any given situation because also referencing Carl Jung again, I, I guess he's here with us today. I don't know why, why I'm bringing him up so much, but um, the quote, you know, the shoe that fits one pinches another. So I very much believe that that's true. It's, it's a really good quote to kind of summarize a concept that, you know, what one person would be grateful for would be somebody else's lived nightmare, right? They would really be uncomfortable. They would not like it. And for me to go over there and say, well, you should be grateful. You have, you know, maybe this perfect house, you have this perfect travel life. You have, you know, all these boxes are checked off for you. You should be grateful. And in reality, the whole time that lifestyle could very much be pinching that person very painfully. So I don't think that you should force gratitude. I think that when you're experiencing gratitude, that needs to, to feel congruent rather than feeling like I have to be grateful. So I'm just going to fake it till I make it or force it in some sort of way. Um, because I don't think that that's a place of like true abundance. You're still going to feel the pinch, even though maybe you've checked off a bunch of boxes. And I know for me, if somebody tells me, well, you should be grateful. My immediate reaction is no, I don't want it just <laughs> because you're telling me that I need to do that now. Like, I don't want to do it. That doesn't feel authentic to me. Um, yeah. And I see that a lot with like, family dynamics, you know, well, at least you have a mom or at least you have this relationship with X, Y, or Z, you know, I see that all the time. Um, and I just, no, I just fight it. Or, you know, you've got, you've worked so hard for all the things in your life. This is where you want it to be. You should be grateful. Well, maybe I'm not, maybe I am. Yeah. But the second somebody yeah. tells me that I'm just like, nope, this is dismissive, not having it. I will stick my head in the sand and refuse to move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels cringeworthy because it does, it feels very discrediting of whatever, whatever feeling you haven't yet processed to get to gratitude. Right. So like, even when things are tough, like I have maybe like a lesson to be learned. So things are being hard or challenging. I can often find gratitude for that. I can find like, Oh, there was a lesson there. Look how much I grew from that harsh experience. And I can do that work, but I'm not grateful in that moment when it feels like suffering, right? Like when it feels like suffering, I, I do have to take a pause and honor my suffering because it's, it's real for my felt experience. And I, I kind of believe the only way to get to the gratitude is to acknowledge that, right? And, and this is where we talk a lot about like validation, right? Like validation, um, normalization, we say a lot. This is why, because we want to validate that the feeling is how you're feeling. And that is genuine. And you do need to go through whatever you got to go through to process that feeling. Yeah. And that's probably very unique to you. And then on the other side of that, like at the end of the rainbow, if you will, that's where the gratitude and the abundance is because you've come out of it, but we're not going to be like, be grateful, you know, that you're in this, uh, storm <laughs> and it feels scary and you're not sure if you're going to survive 
Um, because again, that, that should statement can be very shaming. So I guess I kind of say that almost as a preface to let everybody know that although we're talking about gratitude, we do not address gratitude from the lens of what a lot have coined toxic positivity, right? We're not going to should you about it. We're not going to say you need to be grateful. If you're not feeling grateful to me, that's a signal that something is incongruent. So I want to work on that, right? I want to work on getting your life more congruent for you so that you do feel grateful for what you have around you because it is resonant for you. Yeah. So let me go back. Can you define what you mean by abundance for people who are, mm-hmm. are, are listening and kind of like how you conceptualize that concept or how that fits in gratitude? Yeah. Yeah. So like just abundance, like the mindset of feeling like you really, you have more than enough, right? Um, that, that there's plenty around me and, and that could be anything. It could be any category because I go back to like our episode on values. I think that you've got to hone in on those values. So you know what matters to you. So you even know what you're aiming for um, as far as like, what would feel abundant to me? Like I wake up every morning and I, what, you know, what's the thing that just makes you feel like, yeah, I've, I've, I can rest and relax in my life, or I have plenty, I have enough to share, um, whatever it is for you that makes you feel like you have enough plus some, you know, and, and for some people, like for a lot of people, that's like monetary and, and tangible material goods, and it can be, but I look at uh, abundance and gratitude in like all categories of life, right? So there's more than just like your um, physical world, if you will, there's your emotional world, you know, you may feel like, oh, when I've, um, you know, learned these coping skills, and I'm emotionally regulating myself most of the time, then I feel really abundant, because I feel really empowered, and in charge of myself. And like, I can just kind of come and go through life confidently, that could be a sense of abundance for somebody. So um, not sure if that's a great example. But but you know, just saying the different categories, <clears throat> You want to feel abundant kind of on the overall picture. And when I look at that, the only times I've ever experienced feeling abundant, and I see this with my clients as well, is is when they truly, truly feel grateful for what they have. And we can look at people from other countries and cultures where they don't have near as much like material wealth as we do. And you can find some of the most happiest and grateful people. And they don't have some of those boxes checked right? Um, Sometimes some of the basic needs boxes, but they're still very grateful for what they have. So they have the sense of abundance rather than the sense of scarcity of like a lack. And those type of energy shifts can obviously be very influential on like just how you feel in a given day and how you present yourself. And so I look at, I'm I'm not going to get to abundance unless I'm leading with gratitude. But I also like the disclaimer, don't shove yourself into gratitude. If you're not feeling grateful, you know, figure that out first. I think what comes up to me, what comes up for me, like talking about abundance is almost like self-worth, you know, like Mm. I feel worthy enough or I deserve X, Y, or Z kind of going back to Mm -hmm. like core beliefs and, and things like that is you can, I think practice the gratitude piece of piece of like, yeah, I am grateful for this, or, you know, this, this really makes me so thankful, but there may also be kind of this internal disconnect of, do I genuinely feel that? Or do I feel that I'm worthy of, you know, it's almost Mm -hmm. kind of like this 
self-worth, gratitude, abundance type of piece, because Mm. I, I work a lot with clients who, you know, they may say like, yeah, things are going really great. You know, I have no issues, but I'm still having this, this like turmoil within me. And, you know, we ultimately kind of, a lot of work that I do with my clients is like with core beliefs and it, it kind of goes down to like, they feel like they don't deserve it or they feel like they're unworthy of whatever it may be. Usually it's like love acceptance, those types of things. But, um, that was kind of what initially came up for me is like you were talking with, um, the abundance piece is that you also have to believe that within yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think like for me, I, I think it kind of starts with the gratitude because I can have everything I want. And if I'm not, if I don't feel grateful for it, I wouldn't see it. You know, it's almost like a sense of blindness, if you will. Um, So I could have the exact perfect house. I could have, you know, the exact perfect family lifestyle uh, work schedule, you know, every, every little thing you could dissect my life and make it all exactly perfect. Um, but if I've missed the mark on any of those things, or it's, it's, again, it's a life that maybe pinches me and it wasn't constructed for my authentic self. Um, then I'm not going to be grateful for that. So there really is no abundance to be had. Like I'm not actually living abundantly. I am feeling scarce because I'm just kind of going like, oh, I don't have what I want, or I don't have what I need, or here this lifestyle, or or this thing is still pinching me. And I know since we are talking about gratitude mostly, we've kind of connected the dots on how some of the the web connects out to self-worth and abundance and things like this. But at the core of it, we're really talking about gratitude. And I always think about the holidays because a lot of people struggle with this concept around this time really depending on what their family of origin dynamics might be. And so we're often going and spending time around the holidays with our families. And those relationships um, can be very stressed, very strained. And you may not be in a family of origin where you can really be your truest self. You may hide parts of yourself or like I kind of say to my clients, like you put on armor to kind of get through some of those relationships because you you want to maintain them, but they're, they're not necessarily wholly healthy. And those kind of things obviously can be a struggle because you may be very grateful to have family and support in these things around you. And also not necessarily feel a lot of gratitude for all the work you have to do to emotionally prepare to maintain those relationships during this time of year when they are, um, you're just spending more time with those people. Yeah. And I think as therapists, you and I can attest to this is this time of year, we tend to very much pick up in our profession. There are a lot of people who, you know, we are seeing in distress, having to do so much emotional preparation, coping skills, grounding techniques, how to prepare for these interactions with family. And then after the holidays, we're doing a lot of like recovering people, maybe getting triggered, you know, just, just feeling like they're, they're, um, what does everybody always say? Oh, I, I took so many steps back, you know, like I, I was doing mm. so well. And then my progress was put back because I was in this dynamic that may have been really unhealthy or I had to play a role that I no longer fit in or doesn't align mm-hmm. with my authentic mm-hmm. self or my values. So I think this time of year for us, I love this time of year. It's my favorite time of year in the whole wide world, but mm-hmm. clinically I, I get very drained around this time of year mm-hmm you know, we're, we notice like some trends, it's very emotionally taxing, just trying to prepare every 
you know, all of our clients for that. Um, and then come new year's it's recovery, recovery, recovery. Yeah. Really unpacking a lot of stuff. And a lot of people come back though. And I think the reason it can be so tiring and maybe draining for us is because they do bring back the good stuff, right? They have these real life recent examples of like, my boundary is violated and I was struggling to reset it. I didn't know how to hold the boundary with the person who violated it. And I realized maybe the reason was this history, you know, and they're able to bring back to us these recent experiences that we can really dig into and start to explore the dynamics and and what is their part in this and how they can be self-protective if they choose to remain in that relationship right? They choose to maintain that connection. And so the thing is, you have people go and they bring back a lot. And then there's just a lot there to go through because we have real life examples um, with the people that are probably closest to them, you know, which is family members. I tend to think too, especially around um, the holidays of the, when I was doing my systems work, the theory of like homeostasis in a family, that family systems will basically always try to maintain a homeostasis. So if you have a dysfunctional family system, and if you're somebody who has been in individual therapy, and you've worked through the dysfunctional family role that you held, and you no longer hold it, the first time you go back to the system, the expectation is that you still do that role right? There are going to be a lot of challenges. And this is where people feel like they backslid in therapy and their, their progress, because there's going to be a lot of things where everybody else is responding to try and get you back into this role. Now, I say that and I'm not being blameful. It's usually very unconscious. This is not like family members are doing this conscious thing to get you to be unhealthy. It's just that that's the way our system works. And if you change, the entire system has to change. Most people resist change very unconsciously. So that's that's what a lot of people struggle with is like, I have to either kind of put on this mask that I'm still playing that role and I get home and when I take it off, I am exhausted. I am wiped. I am emotionally drained from playing a role that no longer fits me. Or they're trying to be their new self and they're getting bumped and bruised all over the place because the rest of the system is like, get back into that cardboard cutout we made for you ages ago. And they're like, no, no, I don't fit it anymore. That's, that's not my cutout. This is my cutout. And everybody else was like, well, I don't know how to deal with this one. And I'm not really maybe ready to do that kind of change or that work myself. And so I need you to go back. And it's very hard to maintain that ground and stand your ground and say, no, this is where I'm at now because it may not be well-received. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to practice gratitude about, you know, family dynamics or those types of things when there's this back and forth battle that's kind of going on or this level of emotional, emotional distress, just thinking about, I have to see my family or like, we have to spend an extended period of time together. I don't know how I'm going to handle this type of thing. Um, so again, that kind of goes back to like, oh, well, you should be grateful. You've got a family to go back to, or, you yep. know, everybody, you know, makes such an effort to come home for the holidays. That's so fantastic. And well, only, only if you knew. Yeah. Right. Right. Like if you, if you were having the same experience that I was in the system, you might realize like how difficult this is. 
but yeah, the, the thing with gratitude is like, you know, practicing it is a great practice, right? And I, I think of it similar to like the grounding skills and coping skills we often give our clients, meaning um, the more you practice it, the easier it gets, the better you become at it, it will become automatic, right? It'll become such an automatic thing for you to do is to go and kind of figure out what, what it, here am I grateful for? But there are times where we are told kind of what to be grateful for, or even suggested, you may not be told directly, it could just be suggestive messaging that you pick up, right, from a friend or family member, or even marketing or advertising, you know, anywhere. And you start to believe like, oh, why am I not grateful? Or maybe you're directly challenged with that. Why aren't you grateful? Something like this. And the thing is, if you're not, again, check for like something being incongruent, right? especially if it's like an obvious thing, like, oh, you've got, so you just got something new, a new car, a new house, a new awesome thing. And you don't feel grateful. Just check in with yourself. Did you actually really want that thing? Maybe the, maybe the thing you aimed at was incorrect. That's okay. We all do it. Um, but, you know, checking in there instead of going into shame and instead of like maybe beating yourself up mentally about not being grateful, like, why am I not grateful and being maybe a harsh critic to yourself about it say there's something there's some reason I'm not grateful here and and looking at what is that you know and what would bring me that feeling of gratitude like what's something that it's like oh yeah I'm super grateful for that yeah and we there's been research done you know kind of on gratitude positive psychology and the physical emotional benefits of that so we know that people who kind of practice gratitude more on a regular basis they do lead kind of more positive, healthier lives. You know, it, it helps from a, uh, like a systemic per perspective, just from like the body, the mind. Um, and so there's this article, I'll kind of post it when we release this episode, but it was released by like Harvard Health about like the benefits of gratitude, how that's tied to positive psychology um, and it's a really great read, very quick and easy, but just kind of explaining, you know, when we practice gratitude, we are focusing more on the positives that are happening in our lives instead of the negatives. And, you know, we may not be as stressed and we know that the body holds on to stress and it creates, you know, if you're in that fight or flight for a long period of time, it creates heart issues. It creates all kinds of different yeah. chronic mental, emotional health issues that we experience. So I'll link that article for anybody who may be interested in learning more of the health effects of practicing gratitude. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were talking, it reminded me, I think, um, is it Martin Seligman or Seligman who he has a Ted talk, but he is like a researcher in positive psychology. Um, I know it's Martin and it starts with an S I'm probably messing up his last name, but I'm again, sure you guys could Google it, look for it. Um, but he has a TED talk on positive psychology, which is really, really good. I really like his. And I think it kind of ties in with this about like, you know, look on the bright side, look for the positives. Because when you practice that, it does really make a difference, especially when I look into the work I've done with cognitive behavioral therapy, sort of reworking those neural pathways of thought that get created in the brain. The way that I conceptualize and usually share this with my clients is imagine thoughts travel like water through the brain. Okay. So a river travels the path of least resistance. Thoughts do the same. 
if you are someone who, for whatever reason, is predisposed to go down a negative thought pathway, it can be very difficult to change to going down a new positive thought pathway. Because again, the path of least resistance is going to be the most grooved path, which could be the negative thought pathway. So if I'm asking you in therapy, like, hey, just think positive, you know, just switch it over here, switch tracks. You're like, the track isn't built. I got to go build the track, right? So it is challenging to do and it takes work. This isn't like a switch of a a track over. You've got to go build a new track. You've got to lay the ground. You've got to groove it out. And then you've got to start working on getting that water to flow that way, right? So you want those thoughts to go that way. But again, like I said, practice makes perfect, right? The more you practice, the better it gets, the easier it is. And soon enough, that old negative pathway starts to fill in because it hasn't been used. And that positive pathway kind of takes over. And so it feels much more natural, much more simple than it does when you first start this. And gratitude is such an accessible thing for anybody, even people who like aren't in therapy and especially around the month of November, right? So it's just the thing we do is like, okay, what are you grateful for? We have Thanksgiving. We have all these, these celebrations around being grateful, being with family, you know, being connected in this way that it's like gratitude is a good way to kind of start that positive thinking train for yourself and go, okay, I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to try to think more positive and find that silver lining when I can. Um, but, you know, my, my commas and don't negate your emotional experience by doing it right. Like honor your feels, <laughs> but change that thinking because the thinking does affect the feels. And if we can get more positive feels most of the time, why not? Who doesn't want that? You know, so, so looking at that, I kind of look at that cognitive behavioral work of like, you know, trying to get the thoughts to go more positive because after a while, they're going to flow that way more naturally. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's very intentional in the beginning, having to be so aware of, you know, the negative thoughts, having to challenge and reframe, switching that over. And I even think with gratitude, it's, it's all about the intention behind that and creating the space for it. And with gratitude, you get to define even what that means for you. I think people, you know, it's kind of this like very abstract concept, you know, okay, well, I have to be grateful for these things in my life, but it can be something so small as, you know, sometimes I work with clients about like being grateful for their bodies, you know, and kind of like Mm -hmm. thanking different body parts that, you know, like thanking your legs because they, they work for you every day. They allow you to get from like point A to point B and and doing these types of things. So it doesn't have to be this kind of like grand scale of, Oh, I'm so, so grateful for X, Y, or Z. It can be very small, kind of more of on a microcosm level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I remember um, it was a little while back, but we were going somewhere in the car and I was not driving. So I was able to just take a minute and sort of gaze out the window um, when I'm driving, obviously can't do this because I'm focused on the road. Uh, but I looked up and like one of the clouds had like a really cool shape and it caught my attention. And then I just suddenly had this like feeling of gratitude, like wash over me. I was like, man, it, it was almost like a, a nostalgia moment of like, I remember when I was a kid and I always was looking at the clouds, like all the time I was like looking up, finding shapes, finding different like animals in the clouds. And I love doing that. I would either lay outside 
on the ground and look up, or if I was like riding around in a car, right? Then I got the chance to look up, but I hadn't done it in like ah, forever. You know, it's just like adult adulting took over and I stopped looking at those things. I was just like paying bills and and getting by and whatnot. So um, it just dawned on me. I was like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm grateful for? Like moments where I stop and just stare at the clouds. And it's such a simple thing. Like that's not super measurable to anybody but me right? It's a very personal thing. But it was something I was really grateful for is like, you know, I lost that for a while. And now now I know to do it. Now I know to purposely go stop and look up at the clouds, see what you see. And it's just a moment for me to like kind of relax, check in, be present. Um, and, and just sort of like observe something. And I'm grateful for moments where I can do that. Because obviously, you know, I have young children, I run the practice, I still see clients, you know, there, there are a lot of things on my schedule in a given week. And so if I get moments just to see what shapes are in the clouds, that's a really cherished moment for me, you know? Um, and that's something I'm grateful for. And it's small, it's really small. Um, and you wouldn't think it would move the needle, but it does. Because even if you have a couple little small ones, they all, they pile up, they matter. Yeah. I love that. I love the clouds. I do. I talk about like changing perspective a lot. And so sometimes mm-hmm. I will like intentionally lay down on the ground to be able to look up at the sky instead of like having to like tilt my head up. But um, so yeah. I talk a lot with my clients of just like changing that perspective or, you know, just feeling very childlike in those moments. So I, I love that. Cause that's also something that I do for like practicing mindfulness and, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going back to like the web that we were talking about of, you know, like core beliefs and abundance and gratitude. But I also think you have to be mindful of these things as they're coming up in the moment and mm-hmm. intentionally, again, that intention, like slowing it down, practicing, you know, what am I grateful for? What's going on in my life that I enjoy that's connective to myself and my values. And we can't do that if we're always focused on the next thing or if we're always worried about how to prepare for the bad thing to occur. Right, right. Like, again, the trauma response of waiting on the other shoe to drop, right? Because it makes it very difficult to be super present and grounded. And you do, to notice what you have and what you are grateful for, you do got to be present to it. If, If I was missing the clouds, I wasn't grateful for them those years that I forgot to look up. But once I looked up again, I immediately was, I was like, wow, you know, I, this was something that was really, you know, it's a special nostalgic memory for me is just taking time to look up at the sky, you know? Um, but yeah, but I love that when you talk about perspective shift too, I was going to say when I was doing yoga, um, and I don't know, any yogis out there can like correct me if this is wrong, but I remember somebody saying to me that all inversions in yoga are perspective shifts. So basically, even like downward facing dog, which again, if you don't know, just Google, it'll show you a picture, but downward facing dog is you're not like completely upside down or anything, but your head is upside down in that pose. So if you look around, you are upside down. So it's a perspective shift. And so the thing is those poses, that's actually what they're, I guess, made for in a sense on the, the mental or emotional space is to flip your perspective. So anytime you're feeling stuck, do an inversion in yoga safely though, with an instructor, hopefully. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a trained yoga instructor at all. So don't, again, don't take that as medical advice or anything, but, but this is what they're, they're for. So if you're taking a class, 
Um, maybe do some inversions that'll help shift your perspective and pull you out of being stuck in a single perspective. Um, but yeah. I love that. That makes so much sense as to why I feel so much better after I do yoga. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I knew it was working. I didn't know the technicals, but I knew it was working. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like with positive psychology, like it does work. Um, and especially like the, the cognitive behavioral stuff, it really works. We've studied it. We've measured it. They, they have studied it a ton and the results are positive. You know, most, a good portion of people have good success with cognitive behavioral therapy and doing that cognitive work. Um, but the only caveat I always give to it is that like, don't go so far into like shaming yourself. Don't let it become toxic positivity because that does happen. I've seen it happen in certain circles, um, especially for people who are really focused on the positivity. It goes to a point where if you're not being positive, then you're the toxic one. And I'm like, you could be saying that to somebody with very severe symptoms of major depression, you know, and, it, and it's not something that they, it's not like they are choosing not to be positive. They're struggling to do that. Um, and so I look at that and to me, of course, because we're, we're really talking about breaking down the stigma around mental health. I think those, those kinds of things can become toxic to people who are struggling with mental health symptoms because they may not be able to manage that symptom at the moment. They may not be able to access that positivity, even though they would really like to, you know, they would love to, but, but something in their, you know, their chemistry possibly or in the symptoms is kind of keeping them from that, or it's just really, really hard work right now. And then you have somebody minimizing it, like, oh, just be grateful. You know, it's like, well, you know, would you be grateful if you were struggling with a severe mental health disorder and you had to see several providers before you could find one that worked for you, or you've been taking different medications for a long time to figure out which one works best for you. Um, those things are difficult, you know, and you may feel like you're having somebody telling you to be grateful for that. Again, that suffering. And you're kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, like that was really hard. Like, I don't want to jump to gratitude and miss the fact that I need to honor, like what a struggle that was for me. Right. Or is, you know, it, if only it were that easy, I would have done it by now. And I, I, I tell my <laughs> clients that all the time, you know, people say, well, why can't I just do X, Y, or Z? I said, well, you probably would have figured it out by now if you knew how to, <laughs> like you've done all the things you're very intelligent, you know, but it, it isn't that easy. Otherwise we would all be, you know, super positive, grateful people walking around, like nothing's ever wrong with us, but it's not that simple. And it, that yeah. can very much turn into like dismissive, unhealthy, toxic, and there's nothing wrong with not feeling grateful. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's right. We all get there sometimes. There's, there's no doubt about that, but yeah, I like what you say. It's, it's not instant. So I think it, it's not a train track. It is a river because if it were a train track, I would just reach over and switch that lever for you. That's no problem, but instead it's a river. So we have to, we have to carve out a whole new pathway. And we know that that takes sometimes ages, right? Um, if we look at like how the planet does it, you know, it can take a long time for a certain area to get grooved out to become a riverbed, you know? Um, so same kind of thing in your mental work, in your mental landscape, you are doing a lot of labor um, mentally to carve out that new, more positive pathway so that the river wants to flow that way more of the time and that it becomes easier and easier. 
again, if it were a train, we'd just switch the track. So it's not a train track. It's definitely a river. Yeah. Love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way I like conceptualized it over years. I used to use my desk chair too. Um, but it's more of a visual. So I probably like, I didn't think I would share it on here because this is just audio, but I would kind of say like, if I, if I, for ages and ages and ages, just rolled my desk chair, like forward and back, forward and back, getting, pulling it up to my desk, eventually it grooved the floor in that way. And what I'm asking you to do as your therapist, even though it sounds simple, like change your thoughts to something more positive, I'm asking you to go left to right instead of front to back with the chair. And it's not that you can't do it, but when the chair dips into that groove, you've got to like really struggle to like get it up out of there. And it's very clunky. It's going to be maybe like cocoon, cha-chunk, you know, um, and I'm kind of falling into this groove and picking the chair back up out of it and trying to make it groove the other way. Well, I'm not going to do that just today because I, I wanted to change the groove. I've got to work that pathway over and over and over and over again before the other one starts to fill in. And this is the way my chair likes to roll now. And that's kind of like the visual I would use. I remember when I was in the agencies and we just had to use our terrible desk chairs, right? <laughs> I'd be sliding all around the office because I'm a very animated therapist. And um, I'd be like, you know, it's like this. And I would have people looking at me like, oh, this is my therapist. Oh my goodness. You know? <laughs> and then they would come back and they would be like, you know, I thought about what you said. And I'd be like, yeah, it works, right? Like you got the image in there. <laughs> But, yep. uh, but yeah, that's kind of the way I conceptualize it. Water, you know, uh, thoughts flow like water in my mind. So love that. Love that. I will steal that from now on. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anytime, anytime. And borrow all my, my odd metaphors that I come up with. <laughs> oh, I do. And sometimes I, I, you know, like my, my therapist will say something. And I'm like, that's gold. We're going to take that. And then, you know, from all the supervision that we had done when I was your intern, I was like, this is gold. We're taking that. So I am very much a, a hodgepodge therapist based off of the um, professionals in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like you look into your, uh, your bag of tools and it's like patchwork quilts everywhere. You're like, this is all the things I've gathered and these look really pretty together. <laughs> these work together. Well, yeah, I, I love it. I love like using, and this is where I ended up um, getting the hypnotherapy training because the type of hypnotherapy I use is really based mostly in language. And I, and it was just, to me, it was such a good match for me already because I do like to use metaphors or imagery to help people understand these large psychological concepts that you would have to go to school for a very long time to grasp on a, a sort of like written level, if you will, like reading it out of the text. I've got to teach you a ton if I were to teach it to you, like I do with, you know, like super, supervision, like when we're talking about it we're definitely talking about it in a different way than we talk about that same concept with our clients. And so I wanted to find a way to make those digestible um, where I could just sort of bring the concept into a bite-sized chunk where you're like, okay, that clicks. That makes sense for me. I now understand, you know, how my thoughts work a little bit better or how this works a little bit better. And I, I took, you know, in my area of specialty and I was just trying to go like, how can I make that a bite-sized chunk and it ended up coming out in like visual metaphors a lot or other um, more abstract things to describe this large concept so I always enjoy when I get one and I'm like oh that works perfect that works perfect because it describes this much larger concept in this brief way that basically makes sense to anybody you know yeah, yeah definitely yeah. 
So as we kind of go through this holiday season, um, remember that to slow down and to kind of just pause and reflect on what are the things in your life that you're feeling thankful or grateful for? How do you cultivate more of that? And also if you're not in that place yet, that's okay. There's no shame in that. There's no judgment in that. Um, eventually you will get to a place where you are feeling grateful or abundant and appreciative of the things that are happening in your life. But if you're not, that's all right. You got some time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no need to force it. And chances are, if you, if you really are able to slow down enough, be grounded, be present and look, you'll find something chances are that you're grateful for. So don't force it, you know, let it come, just kind of think more in terms of being present to it so you can see it rather than letting it just whiz by you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But thanks for listening, everybody, um, to our episode on gratitude. We hope you have a super grateful season and a good holiday. And to those of you who may be seeing family, we do hope that that goes really well and, or you've got somebody to talk about and process that with, if it doesn't. Yes. So stay tuned for more episodes. Um, Keep up with our socials throughout the holiday season. We'll be posting more about gratitude, uh, different things like that, but check us out. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.